Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And we are live. Good morning, everyone. It's the one and only V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live with my main man, El Cuco, a.k.a. CJ, the master of the flux capacitor. We give you the news, the views, and all the information important to you. You can check us out on roguemoney.net. Follow us on Twitter at the Rogue Money. Rogue Money on Facebook, DTube, Steam, and every single podcasting app known to humanity, iTunes, and Apple News included. Also, guys, check out our sponsors, thecryptoschool.io, thecryptoschool.io. That is the place if you want to learn how how cryptocurrencies work, you want a good curriculum that really breaks it down educationally for you, go to thecryptoschool.io. And if you want to learn how to trade, just click on the Watch Us Trade Room, uh, where these guys will show you exactly what calls to do, how to trade, and how to make it happen for you. With that being said, CJ, what's going on, brother? Hey V, good morning. Uh, doing great. I'm not sure why, but I got this a lot of energy today. I can I can feel it, V. It's, yeah, I, feel, uh, I feel you, man. I feel you. I mean, I'm feeling kind of good myself. I, w- I was able to get some sleep, you know. So I'm, I'm thankful. It was like three days of inconsistent sleep. It was just horrible, man. Horrible. I think I had like six hours of sleep in three days. So now, yesterday I had slept good. So I'm, I'm feeling great. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. And real quick before we jump into it, you know, yesterday I had a lot of a lot of comments, a lot of emails in regards to uh, W's uh, interview. And I think it's very important to let our listeners know that. And V, I don't want to speak for Rogue, obviously, but, you know, we we do not live in some type of a, of a collective uh, thought process that we align or we meet to say, hey, let's get our thoughts together on this. Let's get. And as much as our listeners, I know it may seem, you know, confusing to you, but each one of the persons, whether it's V, me, or or Lennon Paul, we, you know, we all have our own, you know, opinion, and that's why we, you know, tell you we encourage you to do your own research, whether it's it's the crypto trading, whether it's the geopolitics. Um, so I just I just want to put that out there that you know it's V even our show we don't sit there and you know get together like an hour before shows. Okay, let's talk about this. What do we 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 just don't do that. And no, exactly. uh, and and I think it's important to have difference in in opinions and, and for our listeners, yeah, it may seem, you know, confusing at at, at the time and and so I, I completely get that. Uh, but um, you know, so I just wanted to put that out there cuz there there were a lot of comments, you know, some emails coming in. Well, let's let's go, let's discuss a few of those. What, what were you getting? <laughs> let's well, let's deal with this on the air. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well primarily, you know, cuz I guess that in part because I know, I, Paul got like a whole bunch of emails while Paul talking I, about it. Goes, I, I have a lot, a lot of, of conflicting, here. you know, views, you know, on the administration and and I'm still very concerned about him surrounding himself with the Pompeos, uh, with John Bolton, some of these these neocons. And yeah. so so that to me is like a big caution. So so I would never adamantly pledge blind allegiance to any individual. I I just don't do that. Um, You know, I have my principles, my things that I stand by, and I'm going to do that regardless of how much I like a person, you know what I'm saying? So, so again, I think I will continue to, to tout the middle of the line to, 
critique to criticize when you know it's called for uh, of the administration. And I and I, I do things a lot differently. I, I don't think that backing out of this Iran deal, uh, it's kind of ironic that you know a lot of people like to call like Ron Paul and Rand Paul like isolationist, and you know they they they're complete non-aggression principle, but yet. By Trump's actions, he has completely isolated us in a way because every no one else signed off on this agreement except for Israel or, or is agreeing to our action except for Israel and Saudi Arabia. So what the hell? <laughs> Absolutely right, exactly. What were some of the comments that people were saying? What 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 are people confused on? Because you know, there's always some sticking points. With people. Well, you know, it, it, and, and again, you know, I'm very optimistic, and I don't I don't want to make this more you know, about W versus more of some of the issues. Cause you know, I got a lot of respect for W. So I, I don't want to make it about W's that. W's been there, done um, that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's that. real McCoy. So, so, and, and some of the points were good regarding, you know, how much, how much positive that, you know, as far as the outcome, the things that yeah. are happening. And, and I share those same views. I think that, you know, whenever this thing does collapse, there is going to be an opportunity uh, to rid ourselves of some of these financial uh, burdens in terms of the the debt, in terms of the uh, the Federal Reserve, all these systems that have been put in place for way too long. Uh, so again, that dollar is what yields them to that. So it is going to provide a whole new opportunity for those you know individuals. So so I agree you know fully with that. Uh, so so some of the comments were regarding in terms of you know just the uh, the the rosy picture uh, that's that's being painted that. You know, you know, trust Trump that you know everything is going through, you know, going through the motions, and you know it's all going to work out, and and so, you know, I can bring the comments up if you want to go through. Yeah, this, well, but think- I'll pull up a, a few of them, and I, I want to address each and every single one and put those things in proper perspective because people always have sticking points, and I don't want people to be uh, stuck on a paradigm. You know, let's let's. I mean, there's things I disagree with W uh, yesterday on. You know, one of those old things like, oh yeah, you know, we can fix this economic problem and the massive ridiculous debt. That the United States have by just uh, just doing a, a GDP uh, reconfiguring. Uh, no, uh, no, no, it's a, it's a serious debt problem. But I'll get into that. But let's let's go through the, uh, at least one or two, or at least two comments, maybe three at the most. Go for it. Okay, let me bring these up real quick. So, hang on a second. I think I've got too many things running at the same time. Okay, here we go. So uh, one, uh, this guy truly does not get one thing about making oil in the USA means the biggest consumer of foreign oil is is China, and that simply kills a dollar. It does not stable. It does not stabilize the dollar. It makes it go extinct. That's not true. That's not true at all. The problem we're having today is this: we went into in the in the year two thousand, we went into uh, the world. With about seventy six percent of global trade done in dollars, it's two thousand eighteen. That number has severely diminished. What kills a dollar is not oil; is not dollar chasing oils. What kills a dollar is 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 the dollar not chasing oil. The oil not being priced in dollars is what kills the dollar. Okay, um, so if China is a big consumer of of U.S. shale, and we're sending them you know, we're, we're selling to them in dollars and we're profiting. That doesn't kill the dollar. That makes no sense, that comment. Next. Uh, let's see here. Trump has been known since the Zionist financed his losses in the late 80s from the New York real estate crash where Trump lost everything. His foreign policy proves he has bought and paid for. His Make America Great Again is in the Republican version of Obama's change slogan, 
Hegelian dialect again. All right. What do you say? The uh, the New York real estate real estate market collapse. What the hell was he talking about? Uh, in regards to the late '80s, when the real estate market crash, where uh-huh. Trump lost everything, and uh, you know, I think that they're asking if you know if he is you know financed back by Israel. I think is probably the biggest biggest no, question. Not at all. There's uh, in New York, and, and and Trump is not contrary to popular belief to those who live outside New York. Trump is not the biggest. The he's not. I, I don't even think he's top five biggest real estate developers in New York. What happened in the eighties, in the late eighties, with the the real estate collapse, which rapidly came back. Trump did get hit. He got hit on a few buildings. He went through. A, he went through. A, excuse me. He went through a bankruptcy. Okay. He had four bankruptcies on four corporations. Okay. Four bankruptcies on four corporations. Taking a step back, the question remains is how many corporations did he run? And that's a question that everybody gets stumped on. People always know about the man's bankruptcies, but they don't know how many corporations he ran. He runs 515 corporations, 515 companies that are, that, that are part of the Trump organization. So having four bankruptcies on four corporations out of 515, that's not bad. And he wasn't finished. His corporations were, were strained. But his personal cash flow, contrary to, to myth and and uh, and popular belief, it wasn't it wasn't that gravely affected. And people were saying, "Oh, you know, he's borrowing from the from the banks." Well, it's the same banks he has. There's local and regional banks that he borrowed from. So I I, I don't know what he's talking about in terms of okay, what what was the question? There, there he was borrowing from Jewish banks or something like that. Well, just in, just in, more importantly, again, in regards to the whole Jewish banker mythology. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean the entire concept around you know Iran and who is who is really determining that decision, you know, to do that. Uh, you know, you know, again, because when you look at that decision, uh, very few people at all really supported that outside of the neocons, uh, the uh, the the globalist agenda. Um, like even in his speech, I mean, you know. Ron Paul pretty much picked his entire speech apart and uh, to sit there and like adamantly lie to the American people and say that Iran is the largest uh, funding of terrorist, you know, organizations, ISIS and everything. Trump knows better than that. Mm-hmm. You know, so so again, I think it's just very, uh, you know, very conflicting. And yeah. you know, the concern is, is that, you know, is if if it's going to escalate things, no. um, you know, they're in the Middle East, then, you know, why is this decision? Why is this driving this entire process that's going to destabilize things potentially even more there? Mm. Great, great comment, great question. Um, one thing the last two weeks has shown me, look at the look at what happened in the Korean Peninsula. Okay. Uh, June 12th, Trump is meeting Kim Jong-un. They will be meeting in Singapore. The whole Korean Peninsula situation put egg on my face. I'll admit it. I was I was really disappointed at the way things were going in Korea up until the point things started changing around. One of the things we have to learn is that what Trump says, okay, because this is what most people are used to. Most people are used to taking things literally. 
And this is a guy, you, you can't take what he says literally. You just can't. Because there's always a back angle. There's always a side angle with this guy. That's how he's always been. Okay, that's how he's always been. So if the situation, let me get this straight. You have a serious situation in North Korea. And North Korea is a is a serious, you know, it's a serious, it's, it's, it's a serious pivot point in the world and has been for quite some time. It's actually a major trigger and it always has been a major trigger since the Korean War. Uh, we've been wargaming a, a possible breakout of World War III. Where? North Korea. So there's always two places, folks, that the, def- that the Defense Department, the DOD, and the Pentagon has always wargamed as, as points in the geographic world where World War III can, can start. It can be a fuse. The first being, obviously, of course, the Middle East, because that's in our forefront. That's what, you know, it's all, you know, because, you know, uh, bad eschatology or whatnot in various religious books and things of that sort always proclaim, uh, you know, the war to end all wars in the Middle East. And then the other, so that's already in our psyche. So things like that's already in our psyche. So we know the Middle East is going to be a bad place. It's going to be where the, where the world's going to go to end. The other place that's not in the American psyche, but it's always been on a geopolitical psyche for anybody who studied geopolitics for quite some time, has been the Korean Peninsula. Those are the two pivot points. Okay. Well, with all the rhetoric of my my button's bigger than yours and it works, I'm going to float aircraft carriers, I'm going to fly B-2 stealth bombers, I'm going to fly B-1s and B-52s, and I'm going to harass the hell out of you with warships and this, that, and the other, and, and every day looking like it's going to be a, a war that's about to break out, and we're going to go to and a Hawaiian missile crisis where the, there was a missile report in Hawaii, and all the fervor, all the fervor. It looked like we we're about to have a, what were they calling it, CJ? It's like the Cuban missile crisis all over again, right? Right, right. What happened? nothing right what happened a masterful foreign policy play if i do say so myself you got to give credit to where credit is due you got to give credit where credit is due and granted xi and putin were involved in negotiations with the koreans to bring this to a head but the masterful diplomacy that, that was employed by trump also played an incredible role in this because the u.s has always been seen as what the aggressor so well played. Okay, that's pivot point number one. Pivot point number two, Middle East. What's a major trigger there? Iran. Iran, Iran, Iran. Has been for quite some time. Just like Korea. Has been for quite some time. Major trigger. So what What were the, the epitaphs that were played on, that were pulled on by Trump when it came to Korea? Korea is a rogue state, has nuclear weapons, seeks destruction, unstable crazy guy running it, dictatorship, repressive regime, Horrible to his people, his people starving to death, humanitarian crisis, egregious, out of control, aggressive. The list goes on and on and on. Why? Because those were the epitaphs, those were the slogans, those were the titles that were given to North Korea since the Korean War ended. Am I wrong? No. Nuclear ambition, nuclear, 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 forever. Right? Right. What are we seeing with Iran? Oh, look at Trump. See, this is what people don't get. Ah, look at him. And I I throw myself. This is why North Korea and the Korean Peninsula was a was a was a teaching session 
It was a teaching session for, for somebody like me who, who's, who's been studying geopolitics. It's, it's, it's one of my passions. I said to myself, my God, this guy just pulled this off. It's, I was like, oh, I get what he's doing. I get what he's doing. And then again, what, what are you seeing in Iran? Biggest sponsor of terrorism. They're the biggest financiers of terrorism. They're the destabilizers in the Middle East. They are seeking nuclear weapons. They're... We're hearing the same thing again, aren't we? We're saying this. We're hearing this. It's going to destabilize the world. It's, 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 it's we're, the mad mullahs, right? The mad mullahs of Iran. And it's going to destabilize the world. And the biggest funders of terror. Of course he knows that. Of course he knows that's BS. So what do you think is going to happen? You think it's, it's going to be a war in Iran that's going to trigger World War III? Every single one of you who think this is going to destabilize the Middle East and it's going to create a bigger war, you're wrong. There's one thing that W said that kind of stuck out for me. This was a, a, a few weeks ago, when the last time he was on. He said, it's going to look like the Russians and the Americans are about to charge at each other. And then at the last moment, they're going to come to the front lines, shake hands with each other, give each other a hug, and move to the sidelines and watch the Israelis and the Saudis and uh, the Iranian proxy forces just kill themselves, wipe each other out. Today was recorded that the Americans have pulled back forces back into Iraq, allowing what? That they're not going to interfere in any sort of actions that if the Russians want to put S-300s and S-400s in Syria to shoot down any sort of Israeli excursion to hit, quote-unquote, Iranian targets, but that's going to happen. And, you know, the Haaretz article that came out a few weeks ago where it says that Iran was firing rockets into Israel, that's BS. That's BS. You see, there's a lot of old blood, folks. And I'm gonna put the, I'm gonna put it to you in your Western mind so you guys can get it, okay? Because we we work Western way of thinking and Eastern way of thinking in two different things, two different things. I'm gonna put it to you guys this way to give you guys a little bit of a history lesson. There's a lot of bad blood in the Middle East, a lot of bad blood. It is a it is a convoluted ball of yarn. It is a cluster F, the likes of which none of you have ever seen. None of you have ever seen this. It's bad, okay? You have, I mean, before I came out there and, and, and started telling, hey, you know what, Iran and, and Saudi Arabia have been having, having proxy wars for the last several decades. Most of you have never even, never even knew that. Never even knew that. Okay. But what's happening here, folks, okay, this convoluted, messed up ball of yarn that we call the Middle East, we're going to have to pull back a little bit. Let these guys have at it, let them fight it out a little bit. Let them fight it out a, bit, a little bit. It's going to sound like it's getting bad before it gets worse, okay? And when the when the when the JCPOA was was uh, you know when we pulled out of it, when Trump pulled out of JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, what was the first thing he did? I mean, one of the things he did is he had his underling. Who was his underling? So well, it's Mnuchin, right? Steve Mnuchin, Goldman Sachs banker, blah 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 blah. blah. I respect anybody who can use anyone and have them execute your will. Do you get what I'm saying? I mean, there's there's people that I do business with that I think they're douchebags. <laughs> I got some guys I do business with. They're overseas. I think they're douchebags. Right? I think they're jerks. I think you know certain I, I, you know there's certain motives that don't align, but there's a but they're the best there is at what they do. So what do you do? You leverage them. You see, this is this when it comes to geopolitics, as is, as is in business, it's not a place for emotions. You understand? This is a no emotion zone. 
I have no emotions. I'll be honest with you guys. I'm I'm, I'm not a very I'm a, empathetic and I and have a strong sense of justice and conviction. But when it comes to getting work done, I have no emotions. Everything I do is a business decision. It's cut. It's dried. I have no emotions behind it. It is what it is. Because in the world, because whether you want to lead in business or in geopolitics, this is a no. This is an emotion free zone. Okay. So if he's got to use Steve Mnuchin, what's the first thing that Steve Mnuchin says? Mnuchin goes out there and says, yeah, we're going to renegotiate. That was the first thing. Has anybody caught that? I did. I did. I, I, got, I got the article. Mnuchin said, yeah, we're going to renegotiate what? JCPOA. We're going to come out with a newer and better deal. Now, because I gave you guys these, these highlights, okay? Now, hold on to those highlights. I talked about Korea. We all thought it was going to be the Cuban Missile Crisis. We all thought it was going to be the verge of World War III and wasn't. Now it's just world peace right there. It's like it's a beautiful thing that's happening over there. Okay. Now we got the Iran situation. Do you think for one second it's going to be a, a Holocaust? It's going to be the destruction of all things. Ah, head for the hills. Run into your bunkers. Grab your cat food. You think that's what's going to happen? No, that's not what's going to happen. Okay. Now let's pull back. Let's pull back. Let's pull back. I want to tie it all together for you like, like nobody else does. Okay. Here we go. What is the biggest thing right now economically in the entire world? What is it? It's a new Silk Road, right? It's the One Belt, One Road initiative. What was the major sticking point? Remember when, when South Korea's original president, Gwang uh, Hee Park, when she toured all over the Central Caucasus and when she stopped by at Uzbekistan, which was one of the major hubs of the original Silk Road. And when she was in Batar, Uzbekistan, and she said that the new Silk Road will go all the way from Busan, which is the second largest city in South Korea, which is the biggest port city in South Korea, right? It's going to go from Busan all the way to London. Wow, that's a that's an amazing, amazing pathway. But there was only one problem when Guan He Park, when she came out with that statement, there was one problem, and I and I mentioned that problem. The problem was North Korea. North Korea for the longest time has been a very unwilling and unwitting and unreliable partner in the One Belt, One Road initiative. Okay. Trump just made that easy. Boom. Trump just fixed the problem. A major sticking point with the One Belt, One Road. Now the pipeline deals can go through in North Korea. And guess who, folks, remember I told you the greatest thing that Donald Trump could do is get us on the negotiating table with the One Belt, One Road initiative. Remember when I told you that? I said if he's able to do that, that's going to be tremendous because we're talking about trillions of dollars in business. North Korea is sitting on $9 trillion worth of rare earth and strategic metals that have yet to be un, 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 you know, unearthed. They have to be dug up. Is this, and I, I don't doubt this, I don't doubt the fact that there's going to be some, some potential for some incredible trade. I don't doubt for a fact that there is some potential here that U.S. corporations can go in and start developing perhaps on the strategic and rare earth minerals and metals that North Korea is sitting on. That's a serious possibility, okay? 
Now watch this now. Look, look, look at Iran. Look at Iran. They're sitting on the largest LNG, liquid natural gas, and the and perhaps one of the largest oil reserves on the, on, on the world. The oil reserves are, are definitely bigger than the Saudis. Okay? They've yet to unearth it. Will a renegotiated JCPOA that brings Iran under better scrutiny, okay, because look, if you think that there's no deep state operations in Iran, you are wrong. There is there is some there is some factions that are at play in Iran. Okay, there are some factions. Uh, there are some some uh, Rothschild uh, situations in Iran. If you don't believe me, uh, you can you can Google search yourself. There was a Rothschild banker that was hung in Iran. And if you think that he was the only one, that there's nobody else uh, operating in Iran, uh, you're wrong. There are factions. Who were getting paid out? Okay, it is what it is. Now, with the LNG fields and the energy fields that are in Japan, that are in Iran, excuse me. Do you see that there is a serious possibility here that not only one, not number one, there's a the potential. You, you look, look at the words I'm using. Potential. There is a potential. Let's say it's a hundred percent gospel truth. You, you take this everything I'm telling you right now. You take this with a grain of salt. But I'm telling you from my from my mind and the way my mind thinks of these things and the data that I have, I think there's a potential here that we're going to see a renegotiated Iran deal. It's going to be not only favorable, really favorable to the world as a whole. It's not going to be favorable to certain actors. And we got to look at who's underwriting this entire deal. I think there's a potential here that it could be a win-win situation. But we have to wait and see why, because the Middle East is a convoluted, complex cluster F that is fueled by "quote unquote" religion, which is disguised. Okay, it's actually it, it's 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 fueled by economics, really, but it's disguised as religion. It's disguised as religion, and they make it about land, right? They make it about land because that's concepts that you folks understand. Okay, but the whole entire thing about the Middle East has nothing to do with land, has really nothing to do with religion. It comes down to economics. Economics, folks, like the gorilla has always been saying, is the most powerful driver in human development. So when people start hearing things that Trump saying, oh, he said this, he said that literally, do not take this guy literally. And I'll be honest with you. Okay, if. If we were talking about Iran today and North Korea situation never resolved, it was still horrible, tensions were still high, and then the Iran thing was still going on, yeah, I, I'd be spitting flames too. I would be on a, on a rampage. I'd be on a tear, okay? Um, and I'll tell you right now, the situation right now it, 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 with, with Iran, okay, and what, well, I mean, I'm sorry, with North Korea and what has happened, that is a learning tool for all of us on how this guy really operates uh, in the grander, bigger scheme of things. Secondly, most important point, none of us, none of us, okay? And those of you who, who are the, you know, really out there conspiracy people and the, some of the few handful of conspiratards out there um, who say, you know, Trump is cabal, Trump is this, Trump, he's not. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not. Um, and no, the, the bad guys don't control every single facet of everything. If they did, uh, they would not, and I repeat, they would not 
you know, allow this these things, these events, and these are all event-driven scenarios. They will not allow these events to get this far gone. Okay, so nobody controls everything, and we're only taking guesses. Let's see what scenario plays out in this situation. What we're going through, I recommend everybody have patience. Have patience. Let's see what transpires. But to let you, but to tell you that I'm that I was impressed with North Korea and the situation that Trump has handled over there, to tell you that I was impressed would be an understatement. That's what I got to say, Siege. What say you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of what was accomplished, I mean, I completely get. You know, I think there was a large play with the influence of of China, you know, with Russia, their involvement. I think we had stated, you know, numerous time and again that there was no type of military solution i think we adamantly said that time and time again uh, that led to the decision and i think economically north korea does want that i think they do want development i you know there's been a long time the discussion that you know the north and the south coming together uh so in part for trump to do that when many other leaders clinton obama said no it, it can't be done that's not going to uh so for him to get that accomplished yes absolutely that that's 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 a good thing I think in Iran, I think you have to treat it just a tad differently in part because I think there's going to have to be great concessions made on, on the U.S. side in terms of of the development. Um, if, if it's not regime change, uh, that's the end game, then what specifically is it? And, you know, we, we, we have documented proof time and time again, you know, if Trump can manage Bolton, uh, Bolton's going to deliver on a different message this time that it's not regime change that, you know, that's the end game, you know, and, and, and Bolton has stated that numerous times. Uh, you know, we have people like General Wesley Clark who stated that, um, you know, we still have troops in Afghanistan. We still have military involvement in several other parts of, uh, you know, you know, we still fail to label Saudi Arabia uh, for what they are. I mean, and, and is that in the work in the background? I, I sure hope so. Uh, so, so you know, it comes to Iran, you take a look at, you know, are they going to, are there going to be concessions on the U S side to say, okay, it's not going to necessarily be developing, uh, you know, the, the LNG developing the, uh, completing the, the Eurasia, uh, type scenario that's being built right now. So as long as the U S is willing to make concessions to understand that, that Iran is much more under influence under China and Russia right now, then, then we can. And if there's back channels happening, I, I think that there is a potential. Uh, but at the same time, so if, if the U.S. is going to make concessions about that as far as China, Russia's involvement in Iran, what does that do for the Saudis and, and Israel? What, what are they going to be willing to bend? And at this point, uh, we, we haven't seen a whole lot of that. So it, it, exactly what you said earlier, it's, it's very conflicting. There's, there's so many players involved uh, so, so how is Trump able to maneuver the shift that's going? Because it's going to happen regardless, right? It already, it's already over. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. there's so many different, you know, you know, we have several articles in the queue regarding everything that that China and and Iran have brokered that the 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 banking system that's bypassing. So the sanctions really aren't going to amount to anything, right? Yeah, they're going to amount to anything against Iran. It's 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 a joke. Anybody who thinks that these sanctions are going to really affect Iran just don't understand the the bigger scope of things. So. This again, oh, we're going to sanction Iran. These are consumables given to the American public to make them feel psychologically better. And I get the whole psychologically better is a, is something that these, that Americans need to feel, especially after eight years of Obama. I, I get it, you know. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it, it's so convoluted. This is like, uh, you know, it's like a 20 sided Rubik's cube. That's what the Middle East is a 20 sided Rubik's cube. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So, so how do you influence the Israelis? How do you influence to say to Saudi Arabia that, listen, Iran is going to have its part regardless because it's, it's already happened. Um, so, so I think that is the million dollar question. And, you know, time, time and time again, we hear, you know, the, the, uh, the rhetoric coming out of of Israel, and there's you know no cooperation, there's no middle ground, and if Trump can broker that, I mean, yeah, absolutely, that's like that's like the deal of the lifetime, and I think he said the, those direct words before, right? You know, peace in the Middle East in our lifetimes was unforeseeable, uh, you know, four years ago, V, right? I mean, that just yeah. that's simply going to happen. So if if we can work towards that, and the players can come to the table, and Trump is able to broker those players together. Uh, and, and again, the thing that sits in my side in my mind is taking a look at the history of of some of the players that are involved with the the geopolitics. So if so, if he's not listening to them, so if he's not listening to Bolton or Bolton is 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 manageable, um, I, I I don't know. But if you listen to his words directly, even of just last year, uh, he had promised and and stated specifically directly continuously that regime change was the only solution in Iran. Oh yeah. You know, but luckily for us, Bolton's not the guy calling the shots. I mean, if Bolton had his way, right, uh, the we, we'd already be in World War Three. Yeah, it, we, we the the Korean situation would have conflated out of control. It would have been it would have been a mess. And then people will say, "Well, V, they're going to do that because you know Korea is a military, uh, you know, it's a military impossibility." Well, so is Iran. You see, Korea has nukes, but they don't have a tough, tough as nails army. Iran doesn't have nukes, but they have a tough-as-nails army. The Persians aren't Arabs. They will fight you. They will fight you to the last man. They are not Arabs. They will fight you, okay? So it's a military impossibility. It's, it, there's no way you can topple Iran. There's no way you're going to go into it. Uh, there's no way you're going to march into Iran and try to take... No, they're just it's just not going to happen. So, you know... Bolton is not the guy calling the shots. And I think, you know, it's evident, again, the Korea testament, the testament of what has happened in the Korean Peninsula, it shows that. I think it's pretty evident. I think right now we all have to be patient. I don't know what the play is because right now the, the, there's there's so many guesswork we could say. My, my, one of my things that I'm guessing on right now, some of the scenarios that are that could possibly play out, is, is let all these idiots just fight among themselves and we just sit back and let it all happen. Let it all happen. Let the dust settle, and we'll come in and pick up the pieces. That's how much bad blood there is in the area. That's how much bad ideas have been festering for so long in the Middle East, man. Just, I mean, the Middle East, you want to talk about what happens when, when organized religion gets out of control? Take a look at the Middle East. It is right. Yeah, it, it is a textbook of bad ideas. Bad ideas. People, you know, literally taking facets from relig religious manuscripts written tens of thousands of years ago and using it as 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 law. This goes for the Old Testament and this goes for the the Quran. It's insanity. You know, it's it, it's it's you you it's it's just a a a place of bad ideas, man, and and religious conflict and all of this. What is religion, folks? I've said it best. Religion is simply politics applied to it's simply politics applied to economics. That's all religion is. That's all it is. It's politics 
applied to economics. That's all what religion is. That's it. That's it. Done. End of story. Anyway, man, what do you want to touch upon, Siege? Where where would you like to go? Uh, do you want to you know, know break down a little bit in regards to the, the trade aspects and what Iran has done to circumvent uh, any any type of these sanctions? I mean, these sanctions are not going to have any sort of effect on them. It's, you know, Iran is dealing euros. Fine. You don't want to deal in euros. Fine. The, Iran will deal in yuan. And, the, and China will set up a swap facility. Take your euros, swap it into yuan, buy Iranian oil. Problem fixed. You know, China, China, Iran is, is linked up with SIPs. Iran is linked up with Turkey. Turkey is going to work very hard to make sure that Iran is not going to suffer. The Russians are going to do the same thing. Same thing with China. Iran's going to be fine. All it is is just political grandstanding that's going to happen on both ends. This is the equivalent of Trump shooting off cruise missiles that, ha- that hit empty buildings. That's going to have no effect. It is going to have no effect. And I think he knows that. I mean, what are you going to do? We're going to lock them out of banking. You cannot economically harm a trading partner of China. Sorry. Not going to happen. And you cannot isolate any nation in the world that is a trading partner of China. Why? Because a trading partner is China. Why? China is the largest market on the planet. How are you going to do that? Oh, we're going we're gonna to hurt them economically. <clears throat> no, you're not. Most people don't know this, right? North Korea. There are 134 countries that traded with North Korea. Do you, well, most folks don't even know that. People are thinking, oh, North Korea just probably sells you know, coal to China. That's how they make their money. No, there's actually 134 countries that North Korea does business with. Most people don't know that. And these are 134 countries that skirted the whole entire U.S. dollar issue. So do you think they care? That's the whole thing that people miss. Folks, this is a bigger world than you can conceive. Okay? It's a bigger, big, big world out there. And we're talking about very, very, very complex, convoluted dynamics and relationships. Welcome to geopolitics. It's a messy, convoluted, confusing, not so clear thing. That's what I love what London Paul says. It's not black and white out there, folks. It's a thousand shades of gray. A thousand shades of gray. He's right. If you're going to take a position, look, you want to play Mr. Paradigm. You want to say my position, this is the only position there is, and uh, this is it, and this is Kabbalah. Everything's all black and white. No. No. That's not the real world. That's not how that's not how things work. That's not how things work. Okay, and you got to understand this. You got to put on your big boy pants and understand that everything is a gray area. You're going to have to deal with unsavory people and unsavory countries and regimes that you don't like, and you're going to have to deal with it. That's just the nature of the business. You can't have emotions about this. You can't have, oh, my paradigm, my way is the only way. No, the only way that works, you got to understand this is a bigger, bigger world. The U.S. is not the one that calls the shots anymore. There are many factors at play. And I think, I think, if Trump is trying to position us where we can be involved in some of the developments in the in the One Belt, One Road, and we can also get our infrastructure built, that's a good thing. Then we can go ahead and cancel or renegotiate or devalue our, our debt. And it's okay because we're having a physical, and I've said this a billion times before, having a physical economy in place in the United States will be a good cushion 
to offset the significant harm that would typically come from from a currency devaluation. Because look, you you're not going to fix the debt of this country. Two hundred trillion dollars worth of debt is not going to be fixed with a GDP adjustment. Sorry, not going to happen. That's where I disagree with W. There's not a you you're just not. It's a mathematical impossibility. You have to default on the debt, or you got to restructure it, or you just freaking just cancel the whole damn thing and start over. Or you eventually have to sign in with the rest of the 194 countries that signed back in 2013 or 14, I think it was 13, a global economic reset. Because your currency, which is the dollar, is the biggest, most problematic currency in the world. It is the, the cancerous, it is the cancerous currency that has systemically affected the world. It has to get purged out of the system. You can't have the dollar in its quote-unquote current state messing things up. It's got to go. It's got to go. The last one, because I think this is important as well, that great articles out that discusses Putin urges strength in national economic sovereignty, and in part, the sanctions have done that to Russia, forced them to look at trading outside of the dollar mechanism system. So with these latest actions, Iran, will that trigger, you know, Europe, some of the other people, the same players to come to this realization? Yeah, a lot of people are starting to realize this thing. And I, I think that's a good thing. They're starting to realize, see, the more countries de-dollarize, de- de- right? The more countries de-dollarize, the more multipolar when you de-dollarize, you are strengthening the multipolar world. And I think that the, that 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 Trump is, and I have to agree with Jim Willie. Jim Jim Jim's you know Jim's been on an, on an email uh, circuit with us for quite some time, and uh, Jim says, "Hey, I think uh, tri- Trump is purposely trying to undermine the dollar because some of these things, you know, because you look, folks, we've said it before. You want to kill the deep set, you got to kill the dollar, or in its current in its current form." That helps fund the deep state, right? You want to kill the deep state, you gotta you gotta kill the dollar that is the lifeblood of the deep state, right? And when a country like Russia, like Iran, like China, and many, many other countries, even like Venezuela and whatnot, and, and are out there saying, Hey, we don't want to use the dollar anymore for global trade. We don't want to use it because there's it's a liability. That's a good thing. Don't see that as a mark against the Ameri- against America or the American people. When you say when these countries are out there saying, hey, we don't want to use the dollar anymore, that is a kick in the balls to the cabal. That is a kick in the balls to the to the international banksters. Okay? It is a kick in the nuts to these guys. So that's a good thing because when they don't use the dollar, you're seeing the strengthening of the multipolar world. When the dollar is more used, that means the, 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 the unipolar world, the deep state world, the globalist world is something that is empowered. Okay, so this is a good thing. So, you know, this is what Putin says. Our gold and foreign currency reserves undergo diversification. We'll continue to do it. This is not merely a separation of the dollar. This refers to the need of strengthening our economic sovereignty. Okay, and that's what every single every single country should follow that blueprint that Russia's put out, that China's put out, that Turkey's put out, that Iran's put out, that Venezuela's put out, that model of de-dollarize, because that is good. The multipolar nationalistic nations and governments are good. They are good because this way we get to negotiate mano a mano what is the best and beneficial trade agreements for us 
individually as countries. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we covered the litany of it, man. And I think it was uh, to the point. Yeah, I think we did. I think everything was was uh, was covered, and um, and uh, we have Harley coming on. So it'll be interesting to get his his take awesome. on matters. So Harley will be on at twelve p.m. Yes. Uh, Eastern Standard Time, and then are are the boys getting together this afternoon as well, V? Yes, yes, we'll be getting together with the boys at some point this afternoon, probably at uh, maybe one o'clock or so, maybe two. Excellent. I'm not sure. And then we have somebody else at three, right? Uh, yeah, that may be recorded. I may release. Okay. We got a lot, a lot uh, being released today, so we may just want to save that one for the weekend. Sure, sounds good. And with that being said, folks, we're at the end of the broadcast. Tune back at twelve with Harley Schlanger with Hanging with Harley. With that being said, we're over and out. Take it away, CJ.